0: Thank you for joining us for this Prima podcast. My name is Taekwon Gilbert. I'm the Education Coordinator at Prima and the moderator for today's podcast. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was designed to increase awareness regarding the significance of cybersecurity, as well as provide the necessary resources to ensure people are safe and secure online. To commemorate the 19th anniversary of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Prima created a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Each week during the month of October, Prima will feature podcasts that share important information about cybersecurity. On this podcast, Jason McMahon, Risk Management Director for Midwest Public Risk, provides insight and preventative strategies with regards to addressing cyber incidents. Thank you for joining us today, Jason.
1: Uh, You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: So with all the preventative technology, why do we still see so many cyber incidents?
1: Well, I think, you know, from the public sector, you know, one of the things that as I'm doing these presentations that we find out is, you know, government is notoriously cheap. Um, and, And every time I give the presentation, safely navigating the digital world, I always have somebody in the audience who says, you know, this wasn't a priority at my organization until we had a loss. And now it is, you know, and and after the fact, you know, you've already had something that's happened, whether that's a ransomware or uh, phishing or, you know, you you name it. There's so many different avenues that the the bad actors can attack you. But without, you know, putting up firewalls and training your employees, you become a, a pretty soft target. And I think the other thing is at the end of the day, we all have humans at the end of our keyboards and human nature is a really, really strong thing. And I think, you know, the the bad actors, the rogue people, they understand that. And they use, you know, social engineering tactics similar to what you see in the advertising world to try to get people to, you know, do certain things, whether that's share information they shouldn't, click on a link that they shouldn't. You know, we've had city clerks, our members that, you know, supposedly the mayor has, contacted them and said, hey, we've got this wellness initiative going. I know you just started, and I need you to go buy some Google Play cards for the prizes. And, you know, this new employee is like, oh, my God, you know, the mayor is trusting me with this. And, you know, how can I not do this? And we'll run out and, and buy, you know, Google Play cards and, you know, scratch them and send them to, you know, that bogus mayor email address without, you know, batting an eye and that those you know, social engineering tactics will take a couple different, you know, one is a fear base. I know I have in my presentation that I know I got an email from Delta Airlines telling me that my credit card was been charged, you know, for an upcoming flight. And I you know when you get that, it just triggers, oh, my God, they've, they've done something to my credit card, but here's a link that I can go to and I can try to fix this. And if you're not careful, you know, and, and, you know, not training people properly on fishing that can tend to that. You know, one of the things that I I always try to train people on is when you're on your computer and you're looking at emails and you're a little bit suspect, it's kind of like gun safety. You know, when, when we teach our law enforcement, we teach them, don't put your finger on the trigger, you know, until it's time that you need to put your finger on the trigger. But I tell people, don't put your finger on the left side of the mouse. You know, hover your mouse over what you're looking at, and it will show you if the link matches the written words. And if they don't, there's probably a problem there. Uh, But you don't want to accidentally blink or or accidentally sneeze or, you know, something and click that and have it take you to, you know, some far-reaching website that somebody is, you know, either going to get your information or cause ransomware or something like that. It's just a good practice when you're concerned about a phishing email. The second way that those social engineering, you know, schemes are the reward-based, and that's, you know, I've got something good for you. I've, You know, I had gotten one from a eFax, you know, which I actually get faxes because doctor's offices send faxes, but, you know, people like when they get mail. They like when they get faxes. They like when they get that stuff, and this that human nature of, well, how can this be wrong, and you click on it, and now – you know, you're in the bad guy's world and they're going to take over. And sometimes some of the best ways to to stop some of these things is to making sure that your software is up to date. And I know on some IT, you know, departments, they struggle with people to make sure that that's taking place. You need to make sure that on your phones. I know that just yesterday, I think Apple came out with a new update and they had just updated a week ago. Or two weeks ago. But when you see these that, hey, this needs to be updated, you need to do that because those are direct, you know, cyber threats that need to be taken seriously and then, you know, kind of stopped right at that point. So as long as we got humans and we got computers and we've got phones, you know, there's going to be cyber incidents. There's really no way to stop it, but we can try to minimize those and and try to educate our people to keep them from doing those things.
0: What do you see from a claim side that public entities might not know about?
1: Well, you know, a lot of the things that we've seen, you know, are they kind of come back to these these fishing and these spear fishing. Um, I did this training recently, and, and the way I try to explain it is, you know, the fishing is you got a room full of people and you throw one net and try to catch somebody, something. And the spear fishing is where you got somebody in that room that. Either they've not protected their information, you know, or they've been compromised maybe or whatever it is, but they've got enough information about them that they can really either go after that person or somebody else because of that person. And and some examples of that that we've seen are, you know, we had a, a commissioner who was out of town on vacation, and so some bad actors uh, sent an email to the treasurer's office and said, hey, before I left out of town, forgot to tell you we've got a new consultant and we approved it last night at our meeting and they need to get to work immediately. I need you to wire, you know, $48,000 to them so that they can get started. And now this one happened to be a failure on the, the treasurers, you know, because again, he's human, didn't follow the protocols, wanted to make his boss happy, wired that money. And then that uh, commissioner called later that night Said, hey, you know, I'm on vacation. Just wanted to let you, know, you know, just wanted to see how things are going, what's going on, anything I need to worry about. And uh, the, the treasurer's like, well, I wired that money for you. And uh, obviously, the commissioner had no idea what he was talking about. And so we see that we've got at least three or four that I know of from people that I work with. Construction projects are really big targets right now. You know, in the in the public world, you know, when you advertise a construction project It's in the newspapers, a lot of times it's on your website. It's a publicly, you know, opened bid. Those are normally in the paper as well. So if you've got bad actors that understand how all this works, they can see who the contractor is. They know where to send the emails for payment. And they'll send an email and say, hey, we've got new bank accounts and I've got this, you know, bank account for materials, which is what construction projects do. we got this bank account for The employees for the pay, which is kind of how they do that. And if that, you know, entity doesn't pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, you know, I got this email. Is this really you? Then they'll wire that money. I know uh, Sedgwick County in Kansas had over $400,000 that was wired to a bogus contractor because nobody picked up the phone just to make sure that it was real. And so, There's no hardware or software that's going to fix that. You know, that's having a process in place on how you change those, the protocol that goes with it and then verifying that with either your staff that's working with those contractors directly or picking up the phone that you have, not from the email, you know, if they put a phone number in there, but actually going to them. One of them, you know, that we have, it kind of goes back to that, you know, just being careful what you're clicking on as we – had an email come in from one, uh, you know, a city that we work with, and the entire email was actually a picture. It was a JPEG, but it looked like an email. So if you would have clicked any part of that picture, then it would have – it was a hyperlink, you know, somewhere. And it's just one of those that – about four people on staff got it, which was, you know, everybody said, hey, did you get this, which seemed a little odd, and everybody did. So that got us talking about it. And then sort of that hovering deal that I talked about, and we could see that this whole email was like a picture instead of an email, and we we stopped it before it went anywhere. But, you know, those are the types of things, you know, everything that the the public entities do, it's just out there. It's, It's out there for anyone to see. Because we have to be transparent, you know, in what we do. And so that makes us a target for them to be able to gather information and then craft some sort of a a scheme to try to get you to comply, you know, to what they want you to do. And we're seeing that, you know, that construction one, I've got at least two others in the Kansas City metro area that have had $200,000, you know, scams go the same way. Where the contractor emailed said, hey, this is our new accounts, and, you know, the payer didn't follow up with anything other than let's send the money out. And then they're, you know, they're chasing that. And, and that's a bad time to find out what your cybersecurity policy, you know, what your limits are when you have those.
0: As a former public works director and current risk manager, what gives you pause in the cyberspace?
1: Well, what's really gotten me lately, I think, is... The direct connections we have with our vendors. And that doesn't probably seem like a lot, but the largest breach that I'm aware of, or that anyone is aware of that, you know, is the most famous is, is Target, you know, and Target itself wasn't actually the one that was breached. It was a contractor that they worked with that provided service for them. And then they had a, a direct connection to secure payroll Amounts to be paid, basically, and once you know the contractor got compromised, and the bad guys just start swimming around their network, and all of a sudden they find a bridge, and they realize, hey, we're in target. And then once they're swimming around a target, that's where Target sort of had a failure by not siloing off all of their different networks and stuff. And you know, I'm not an IT guy, I'm a public works guy, so I don't know how all that works. But basically, they were able to get to the credit card readers, but our you know, members and cities and stuff. We've got, you know, SCADA for our water and sewer systems and electric systems. And, you know, a lot of times we'll have engineering companies that have access to that. They have direct dial-in or, you know, old school, I guess. They have direct, you know, connections to get into those SCADA systems so they can monitor them. They can do engineering for it. We've got HVAC contractors because, you know, even at our organization, our HVAC systems, computerized, you know, that's how we control it. When we have a problem, we've got a vendor. Well, that vendor charges two-hour minimum to come on site, you know, to look at something. Or, you know, they could VPN in and go that route. And we did that for years and years and years. And then now it's just a risk that we're not willing to do. We don't want them connecting into our network to do that. So we're willing to, you know, pay the two hours for them to do that. It's the same thing with our You know, other contractors, these construction contractors, a lot of times we have direct connections with them electronically. And it's just, you know, another avenue that a bad guy, you know, not only do you have to worry about yourself being compromised, you've got to worry about somebody else being compromised because they might be able to get into your system. You know, our alarm system companies, door system companies, you know, the the whole Internet of Things is out there. And obviously we all work better when we're communicating, and a lot of that communication is real-time, you know, through the Internet. But when you do that, you've got to make sure that those people that you're working with are as secure as you are if you're going to do that to make sure that they can't get in and do anything, you know, and it's probably worse. You know, we already had the the attack at a water plant in Florida. You know, those are the types of things that really – scare me as if, you know, there's, there's been a number of hacks around the world where they've tried to shut down the power grids and, and things like that. Obviously that could cause some, some major chaos in a lot of areas. So those, that's the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night is just all those connections that we have with people um, that have access to our systems. What advice
0: do you have for entities shopping cyber insurance?
1: Well, be prepared uh-huh. You know, in the last just few years, we've really seen the insurance market go crazy, the cyber insurance, I should say. For our members, you know, it used to be like a one-page document it has now – grow into maybe even a 15 to 17-page underwriting document. You're going to have to install multi-factor authentication, which is, you know, it's important, I think, and especially for protecting your organization to make sure that, you know, you've got not only the password at the computer that you're using, but you either have a phone that you get an email or a text message or... We have an authenticator on our phone. So when I try to log into something, it pops up on my work phone that says, is this you? Do you really want to be in there? And that helps. But I think all pretty much cyber insurance is going to require that from entities. So you're going to be prepared to do that and then making sure that you're not only using strong passwords, but you're requiring mere folks to update those on on a predetermined amount of time, normally 60, 90 days, and I know a lot of this is is a real kind of a pain for the end users, and, again, it's really taxing on, you know, underfunded IT departments, but these are the types of things that are going to be required for cyber insurance going forward. So it's better to be prepared for all of that probably than when your insurance renewal comes up and you don't have these things and you're spending more for the coverage and you're spending dollars to install these things. So being proactive is going to help you probably secure a better rate and have more opportunities for that cyber insurance.
0: And what are your thoughts on public Wi-Fi when traveling?
1: But well, this is the one that always gets me strange looks from people in the audience and they get mad at me. And I always say that, you know, avoid it unless there's no other option. And there's a number of reasons for that. And the first is, and you know, if you want to Google this, is the Wi-Fi pineapple, which is a it's a device used by, you know, the, the white hat hackers and the black hat hackers. You know, the white hat hackers are the good guys. Uh, There's companies out there that actually do testing to see how secure your Wi-Fi network is and how secure your whole network is and things like that. But obviously the black hat hackers, they're just trying to get information. And these these pineapple devices basically can set up, you know, a bad guy in a hotel lobby or a Starbucks or a McDonald's or anywhere that there's free Wi-Fi, and they will connect to it. And people unsuspectingly will connect through them to the network, and if you're not on a secure network, I know our IT guy says if you're on it, you know, do VPN, because if then you go to our network and it scrambles it, you know, encrypts it from point A to point B, so that helps protect you. But if you're not doing that, those guys are just looking at your information. They're looking at what you're typing. They're looking at passwords as you're doing it. And bad guys are really good at what bad guys do. I don't know how they do it. It's way over my head, Uh, but they're really, really good at it and they can just set up anywhere that there's free Wi-Fi, and they do this. I mean, that's, I think, how they get lots of information about lots of people, and and people are, you know, unsuspecting when they, you know, they think they're on, you know, Starbucks one two three. What could go wrong here? But there could be somebody sitting in the parking lot. There could be somebody at a table there, and they could be reading your emails. They could be reading your passwords and, and anything else that you've got doing it. And the other thing is and if you do you use the free Wi-Fi and you're just going to, you know, go to Facebook, or you're going to read the newspaper, or you're going to do something like that. You're probably pretty safe, but I would recommend, you know, don't log into any work stuff, don't log into your bank stuff. You know, nothing that has a password that you use for anything else. Making sure that you're staying away from any secure information that you've got because you just never know. And especially when when you're traveling, you know, I've been, I was, you know, at the Prima conference this year. It's a bunch of public officials and a bunch of people like that. I mean, bad guys look at these targets and go, well, that's a, you know, that's a great place to go try to grab information. I've gone to the, you know, National Chief of Police Conference. I mean, that'd be a great place to go and try to get, you know, people's information. So when you're traveling in big groups at conferences and things like that, I mean, it's just going to be a magnet for the bad guys to try to come get information from you. And kind of along, you know, those lines a little bit, too, I I kind of put these together is these devices, these, you know, testing devices they have, they also make those in in USB drives, you know, so you pick up a USB drive and back to that human nature, oh, I wonder what's on this thing, you know, somebody lost it, there's probably, you know, who knows what information, I'm going to go put it to my computer, and these things are designed to drop a payload like a program that, you know, could just run in the background and, and basically hack right into your computer because you just plugged a USB drive in. So, you know, my, my, my thing there is always, you know, don't put a USB in your computer unless you know where it's been. And a lot of times, I, you know, I used one for the presentation I gave yesterday at the Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, South Dakota Prima, and then I threw it away. You know, that wasn't my computer. And I wasn't going to put what I, you know, had on that computer back into my computer. It's just a risk that I'm not willing to take. Um, you know, USB drives are cheap. Uh, they're they're kind of a one-time use for me, uh, like an old floppy disk used to be. And, and, then, and then go from there. But I I certainly wouldn't want to stick, you know, something I found on the ground and just put it in my computer to to see what's in it because the, the bad guys have those to try to get you. And those. Like kind of like the you know the Wi-Fi pineapple, you can certainly Google those USB drives, or they'll be on the same webpage. You can just buy those online because they're you know they're used for testing. That's what they're designed for, not not for any bad activity, but they are available to the bad guys, and they can certainly use them.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Prima's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Should you have any questions regarding this podcast or any podcast in the series? please email education at primacentral.org. To learn more about Prima's educational resources, please visit primacentral.org. Thanks again.